Hello and welcome to this latest discussion in the Feeding Britain podcast series, a series where we explore in depth some of the ideas, campaigns and findings that are emerging from frontline staff and volunteers, parliamentarians and research specialists across our network, all of whom are channeling their efforts toward the elimination of hunger and its root causes from our country. I'm Andrew Falsey, the Director of Feeding Britain, and today I'm with Pauline Gilgallan, who oversees the development of our Good Food Scotland programme, where the concept of a community food larder as a form of affordable food club has really taken root over these past couple of years. Pauline, welcome. Hi, Andrew. Pauline, could you begin by giving us a broad overview, please, of how a larder works and particularly in respect of the range of food and services on offer? Larders are basically run by larder coordinators and volunteers from the local community. Very important that the volunteers are from the local community because they're the, 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 the driving force behind basically all the work we do. Um, the larders are open two days a week, normally for about three hours at a time. And the produce is very, very varied, I'm proud to say. We have fresh fruit, fresh vegetables, fresh meat, fresh fish, like minced beef. We've got halal products too, um, dairy products, milk, cheese, yogurts. Um, we have salami, sausages, pies, cold meats. Um, the freezer section is one of our popular sections and we've also, we sell out basically on the daily in the freezers and it's things like frozen chicken strips, potato products, burgers, waffles, chicken Kiev's fish fingers, cod fillets and batter. It's really quite varied um, and it sells out quite well. Lots of good things for meals. Uh, we also have household products. <clears throat> That'll be things like your washing up liquid, your bleach, your toilet roll, your kitchen cleaners, your Brillo pads, your sift. Uh, and toiletries, we do toiletries too, uh, deodorant, soap, toothpaste, toothbrushes, men's body sprays, shaving foam, shampoo, conditioner, all your basic but necessary items that people do look for. And uh, we also are working in partnership with Hey Girls who give us our sanitary products that we're able to distribute for free from all of the projects, which is a really fantastic initiative. And we've been part of that now for over six months and that works really well. Um, so that's the basic model. Could you then talk us through the development of the Larder programme to date, particularly on the south side of Glasgow, as well as what you've got in store for the programme in the months ahead? Uh, yeah, the development of, of the programme to date, um, it started really about two, nearly two years ago. I, I've been in post in August, three years I've been here um, working for Feeding Britain. And um, my main role to begin with was for the Three House Community Supermarket, getting a wee plug in um, and found an amazing building in the southwest of the city to operate from, but we couldn't get in right away. It was COVID, there was lots of things going on and we couldn't get in as soon as we wanted, but um, we really wanted to be able to serve the community. So um, myself and Kevin, my colleague at the time, had a lot of conversations and we were like, how, how do we serve the community? How do we get stuff out there just now? Because we're so, so keen to be able to do something. You know, we're here. Let's get it done. So we discussed doing it from the back of the Three Hills van. And we discussed it with all these different things. But um, we approached uh, the Wheatley Group, uh, who had a living well block of flats, 
right next door actually to where the Three Hills Community Supermarket is going to be. And um, I just asked if we could use what they called a sunroom at the bottom of the block of flats. Really nice small room uh, with lots of bookshelves in it, fridge, freezer, whatever. And I asked if we could set up a pop-up ladder in there in the interim until the big space opened. And that's all it was ever meant to be. <laughs> um, but uh, I opened up in there, crikey, about 18, 19, 20 months ago now. <clears throat> and we were only open about three months, four months, and the housing officers were already seeing a difference in the service users and the difference it was making to the lives of the people that lived in the block, because initially we were only serving the block. And the Wheatley group loved the model so much and loved the difference it was making to other residents that they asked me to open up a second ladder in Kenny's Head. So that ladder in Kenny's Head opened in July. So that was our second ladder, all the while waiting for Three Hills to open up, which I'm glad to see opens up this summer. But um, yes, um, Kenny's Head opened in July last year. And it just it sparked the imagination of so many people because it is such a new model. Um, there's nothing else like it as far as I'm aware. Um, and what happened next was <clears throat> housing associations began to approach me and ask me how they could do the same. You know, this looks great. How can we do it? So now we work in partnership with Linthouse Housing Association, Southside Housing Association and Sanctuary Association. So... We've got three projects with them and we've got two, three with Wheatley and plans for more with Wheatley in the future. So it's just kind of grown this tiny wee seed of, you know, Kevin and I, what can we do? And it just works so, so well. And it's it's, it's making such a difference to people that the housing organisations are recognising it and wanting us to move into their, their spaces. And the really ideal thing is because we're at the bottom of blocks of flats or we're right in amongst communities in housing schemes, we call it in Glasgow. Um, we don't have any problems with footfall. Um, we don't need to pay rent, thank goodness. We don't pay rates because housing associations give us these spaces for free. So every single penny goes straight back into replenishing stock. I'd love to dwell on that point for a moment, if I may, on the accessibility side of the ledger. As you've said, this is a service right at the heart of a particular estate or neighbourhood or community, which saves people making unreasonably long journeys that they could ill afford to take. What difference has that made to their living standards? And what have the housing associations been able to report back in that respect, please? Oh, cricket. <clears throat> stories I could tell you about people that have come to us and told us uh, the difference it's made to them, like Kenny said, ladder, for example, which is where longest, you know, that's the busiest ladder. Uh, that's open a year come July. And we have people come in there tell us that they used to get their sons or their daughters to do their shopping because of maybe, I'm going to say old June. in Glasgow, that means old person. And it's not unpolite, that's just what we call it. Some of the old Jeans were coming in and it was like, this is so good because I used to have to write a list and send my, my, my daughter or my son, my grandchild to the shops. And now I can come and do it myself. And the absolute joy on their faces when they were actually able to browse in a wee kind of shop again was just 
absolutely incredible. Um, so the fact that we're right in the heart of the communities for older people, for people with disabilities, for people that maybe have uh, mental health struggles as well, that don't like to venture too far or, or maybe don't like public transport or, you know, they, they, we get a lot of people like that coming to us as well. And a lot of people can't get to the big supermarkets for the deals or the, the bargains that don't have access to cars. Public transport can be really quite sketchy in some parts of um, well, every city, really. So the fact that we're right in we're the nucleus of a lot of these schemes, a lot of these neighbourhoods, so it really has made a difference, you know, whether it's a mum on her way to um, pick the kid up from school or take the kid to school or on the way back from school, they can just pop in and they'll say, this is amazing, I used to have to go to ABC or XYZ to pick up my milk on the way home and now you're here. Uh, one of the, 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 the really... <laughs> It's quite funny uh, stories, but quite sad at the same time. As Kenneth said, Larder is quite well known for being the only place that sells leaks within like a two-mile radius. There's nowhere else sells leaks. So there's still a lot of leaks down there because a lot of people are making soup. A lot of people like to make soup. But there's a lot of stuff that people are telling us that, you know, I could go on all day about all the different stories. But basically, we are seeing such a change because people are te they're telling us, I couldn't do this before, I couldn't access this before. On top of that, you know, we will bring in products specifically if people ask us for them to. And that's a really popular thing as well, whether it's tomato juice or, I don't know, bongella or something else like that, you know. I, I can't get tomato juice, I can't get Weight Watchers soup, you know. Things like that. We will specifically bring things in if people request them, just for the same reason. People can't get to the big supermarkets. They can't get out for the bargains, you know. So we're bringing it to them right in the middle of their, their neighbourhood. And on the other side of the ledger, of course, is affordability. And I wonder if you could explain to us, please, if a typical member of, let's say, the Kenneth Head Larder was to come in and redeem £10 worth of points, just what the value of the food and other goods would be that they take home with them, please, at the end of their visit? <clears throat> Yeah, um, it varies every single week because every single week we get different produce in. Um, some of our food is donated. And most of it is bought in, actually, but some of it's donated. So, for example, t uh, £10 worth of points. Some weeks maybe get you about maybe £18 worth of goods. And other weeks it could be £22 worth of goods. Other weeks it could be 16 but you're talking maybe between 16 and 22 And the reason I'm giving you that large sort of space in between is because there are some weeks we'll get um, produce and we're able to sell, for example, three packs of bacon for a pound that would cost you one pound eighty in the shops. And that's probably because it's short dated, but short dated to us is three or four weeks, you know, so that's, it, it, it fluctuates, it fluctuates, but you're talking at least £10 worth of points, you're saving at least eight eight or nine pounds, but it changes all the time. It's a really difficult answer, question to answer that because we get so many varieties in so many, like one time we got um, Cathedral City cheese and we were able to sell the big blocks of that for a pound. That was very popular. Our uh, beef brisket another time we were able to sell for a pound, it was five pound in the shops. And then there's some weeks we don't have these big deals in, you know, so that's, that's why it fluctuates. But by and large, 10 pound worth of points I'd say maybe 18, 17 pounds worth of goods. That is really interesting to hear. 
And of course, that is a particularly important part of the offer for people on lower incomes who sign up for membership of the Larders. But equally important, I find, and it's such an attractive feature of the Larders when I've been walking around, is that there is near total freedom of choice. People can choose for themselves from a really wide and broad range of goods, uh, just as we would expect for any citizen across the country. And I wonder if you could talk us through, Pauline, the different categories or groups of people you find are signing up for Larder membership. Yeah, um, the, the the short answer to that is everyone. I, I really couldn't pinpoint, you know, anyone that isn't coming to the ladders. We've got young families, um, single men, single women, pensioners, older couples, single parent families. Um, we have workers, part-time or full-time. We have retired people. We have people coming to us that are seeking work or unable to work for whatever reason. Um, it's just very, very varied. It's everyone really. It's just you know that to me that's kind of if you were asking who who visits supermarkets, who who visits corner shops, it really is that varied. It's just been so well received and, and the word to spread. You know, not just in Kenny said Cardonald Ladder as well, and the Lint House Ladder too, and um, the four one five. That's how that word does spread, and people start, and people will come in and say, "I didn't know this was a thing," and you know. But it, you know, everyone really, Andrew. It's, I really couldn't. People that work, people that don't work, people on top of the world, people who may be feeling a bit flat. You know, people that can't get in the big supermarkets, like I said earlier. There's a lot of these people come in. Actually, that's quite important to make that point. There is a lot of people that can't get to the big supermarkets for the deals and the bargains or even the, the produce that they like. So they, they come to us as well. But yeah, everyone. <laughs> and another attractive feature that quickly came to light when I was talking to several Larder members, this was across a number of different sites, was that while, of course, food is the core offer uh, at each of the Larders, there are other services and sources of support they can access during their visits as part of their membership. Would you mind talking us through perhaps a couple of those services and additional bits of help that are on offer, please? Yes, um, the latter, we, we work in partnership, obviously because we're working with the housing associations in their spaces, um, the housing associations and the housing officers they are working really closely with us and you know it's really good sometimes because people will come in and say I've got a bit of a problem with my rent or I've got a bit of a problem with I don't know a radiator or a leaky tap or you know whatever and that that the housing officers you know we are that link it's it's quite amazing the amount of people that don't sometimes realize housing associations now are so much more than they don't just take your rent anymore they do offer a of extra services and we kind of are like the link between did you know your housing officer can do that did you know the weekly group offer this did you know you can go online and access that so that's really really important but out with the housing association things we work in partnership with the elected officials mps msps local councillors um, a lot of people really they know these people are there but they really don't appreciate how much they can actually help with very, very varied um, situations, but we'll refer people to them as well. Uh, we work with I don't, Greater Pollock Services, potentially me, AR26, the Pollock Credit Union. We've got a, a scheme called Simple Savings, which um, works really quite well. It's still in its infancy in a lot of ways, um, 
the ladders have been so busy that, you know, it's something that's going to be rolled across all the ladders and everybody's talking about it just now, but that's going to launch within the next couple of months. And the simple savings, if I can just take a beat to speak about that. Um, usually when you try to join a credit union, <clears throat> you need a passport photograph or a driving license photograph or something of that sort to become a member. And um, I, I work really, the Pollock Credit Union have been really helpful and really supportive and working in partnership with them, I come up with what we call simple savings. And it's a way for people to sign up for a credit union membership without the palaver. And that's maybe, that sounds impolite, but you know what I'm saying? It's, it's less hassle to join through the ladder because um, all we really need is we take a photograph of the person and the, the, the credit union are happy for us to verify that person as who they say they are. But they can pay the money into each ladder when they visit us and we will put it into the credit union for them. And half of the people that signed up for Simple Savings still do that, but the other half have now got standing orders, a direct debit set up with the credit union. So we work really closely with the credit union and the plan is to go Glasgow-wide with the Glasgow Credit Union and Scotland-wide eventually um, to make that something that everybody can access because people really love, you know, if, uh, some of the... I could talk all day. Some of the lovely stories that people have come back that never thought they could get a credit union membership until they signed up through the ladder and they're just so delighted because they, they, they like knowing they've got a wee bit put away and they like knowing that if they need to borrow a bit, that facility is there for them. So that's something I'm particularly proud about and it's working really well. And one of the things we like to do in this podcast is go behind the scenes a little bit and get a, a much better idea of what's physically involved in developing programmes of this nature. So I wonder, Pauline, if you'd mind talking us through your role in developing the larders. What's involved, please? Um, <clears throat> it's a, a big part of it is to make people know what the model is and how it works. So there's lots of talking and I'm very good at talking, so that's not a problem. <laughs> Uh, lots of meetings and emails and sending information over um, and then finding a really good ladder coordinator to put in place to, to run it and um, then finding people in the community which is, has never ever been a problem um, but, you know the community matter more than any, anybody anything, the members at top of the tree you know because we are doing something good and the housing associations or the organisations, we're all doing something good, but I never, ever lose sight that the members come first. So my role in developing the ladders is to speak to the communities and say, hey, did you know we're here? Um, community out outreach is a massive part of what I do. Uh, just letting people know we're here and explaining what we do. Um, obviously, food supply is something that, you know, I need to, I need to get the food in. Um, do we need to paint and decorate the space? Um, we've got volunteers for that. We're really lucky with volunteers. But um, knocking on doors is a big thing. You need to knock on people's doors. <laughs> I think a lot of people have become a bit, I don't want to say complacent, but in social media is wonderful, but you cannot rely on social media to reach certain people. Um, lots of people don't have social media for whatever reason. So knocking on doors is something that I would, you know, I try and do as much as I can. Talking to people, talk a lot, <laughs> um, and really try and explain what the model is because it is such a new model. 
Um, there's lots of affordable food spaces doing absolutely terrific work, and I salute every single one of them. I mean, such a pity that <laughs> we're even necessary, but here we are. Um, but um, it's such a new model, the ladder model. So a big part of my role is letting people know what it is. Um, we aren't a project with limits. I mean, that's something that I really love. You can come to us and choose without limits as much as you need. You know, don't get me wrong, if somebody comes in and tries to buy 10 blocks of Cathedral City cheese, then somebody's going to have something to say about it because that's a bit too much. You know, share the cheese. <laughs> but um, as far as um, developing it, educating people about the fact we're here, um, reaching out to Crikey, supermarkets, like I said earlier, elected officials, um, just let people know you're there. Um, try and source as much as you can secondhand, you know, and let people know you're there. Get your fridges and freezers sorted. There's so much work in developing a ladder, and it's I could talk all day, and there's so many different ways of explaining how to develop a ladder, but basically the community and the area you're moving into is the most important factor. Let them know you're there. Let them know what you're doing and ask for their help, and people really do want to help. They really, really do. I mean, you, we are doing good work, but it is all about the members. Get them involved as soon as you can. We're, we've been quite good at that up to this point. And my ladder coordinators are tremendous at that. And then mm -hmm. shifting the focus slightly from inputs to outputs, what would you say have been the key lessons to emerge from the larders, particularly in respects of how one makes a success of projects of this nature and delivers a first-class service in the areas where we're active and linked to that what bits of advice or wisdom would you share with people looking to develop similar initiatives in their own area oh crikey you're asking me to dish out wisdom um right hold on lessons learned um community first i know i just spoke about it but don't try and get into a space without getting the community involved from the very first step because that is what that is why we're here that's what matters more than anything. It matters more than me, more than you, more than the ladder coordinators. We are here to serve the community and we can't serve the community unless we know what they want, what they need, what they expect. And, and, and the volunteer aspect of that is huge. Um, and really listen to them, you know, and really get them involved. People, my experience, whether it's Kenneth Head or Cardonald or Linton House um, or Nitz Hill, the volunteers are, they really are the lifeblood of the work we do. So, you know, get them involved from the start, get the community involved from the start. Um, try and source your stuff second-hand if you can. I'm all about upcycling if you can. Just shelving and stuff, know your fridges and freezers, obviously. Um, but talk to local groups, talk to your schools, talk to your churches, let people know you're there. Chap the doors, like I says, don't rely on your social media because a lot of vulnerable people and older people do not have social media, and these are the people that we really need to know that you, you know that we're there. Get into your local shops, get into your small businesses, get into your big supermarkets, tell them what you're doing. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Uh, be a pest. <laughs> you know, be a pet. You keep knocking on doors. The big supermarkets really do want to help. They really, really do. Don't be afraid to approach them. And small businesses are terrific as well. You know, just approach them as well. Um, get a Twitter page set up, tag some businesses, tag local people you know could be useful. Um, speak to your elected officials. I can't stress that enough. Your elected officials, they are there to serve 
their constituents. You know, I'm very, very lucky. All the elected officials I work with are, are absolutely terrific. Um, but that would be one of my uh, main pieces of advice. Speak to your elected officials, whether it's an MP or an MSP or a councillor or a community councillor. Your community councillors are very, very important. And I think a lot of people don't talk enough or know enough about how vital community, community councillors are in areas. Get them involved, speak to them. They know everybody and they know everything that's going on in the area. So, you know, speak to them. Um, like I say, get a Twitter page up, start tagging everybody. <laughs> Tag everybody. This is us, this is, we're here. This is what, you know, this is what we're doing. Can you help? Um, make make the elected officials your pals. Talk to the community champions in the supermarkets. <clears throat> These are people that work in the supermarket and part of the week, they serve the community, they, they help the community, whether it's the local nursery that's looking for Easter eggs or places like us that's looking for food donations or surplus, community champions are amazing. Talk to your social work departments, talk to the citizens' advice, link workers, factories, businesses, bowling clubs. Um, just talk to as many people as you can in the community and let them know you're there, but get a lot of people involved. Um, get a wee leaflet made up. It uh, does not have to be fancy. Go to your local library, tell them what you're doing. You'll get your leaflets if they're nice people. Library people generally are. They'll print your leaflets for free. Get the leaflets up in the post offices and the doctor's centres. Get a wee committee going. Meet in somebody's living room, have a cup of tea. Talk about what you're trying to do, you know. Speak to Feeding Britain. Uh, Feeding Britain have got so many resources. They can send people out if they want to do something like this. Um, and yeah, contact me. I don't know. Contact Feeding Britain. Contact me. Get loads of honours, as we say in Glasgow. Basically, surround yourself with lots of good people that want to do good things, and knock on doors, get leaflets done, and talk, talk, talk. Just like me. <laughs> There's just one thing I'd add to that really handy list, Pauline, which is the importance of flexibility and innovation across each of the larders, rather than perhaps having a single fixed or rigid model. Because I know talking to the team this week, in one particular larder, uh, having fruit and veg displayed just as loose items that people select and bag up for themselves has been really popular. And people yep. are getting a, a good number of items for a pound's worth of points. Mm -hmm. In another of the larders, people weren't so quick to take up the fruit and veg offering that way. And so yep. that particular larder experimented with soup kits, where it was bags of veg and other items and then fruit bags. And each of those bags was uh, going for a pound's worth of points. All of a sudden, lots of members were only too pleased to take home those bags of really lovely fresh fruit and veg. So it's yep. interesting how we implement and develop this program under a, a single umbrella, but with so much room for flexibility and innovation underneath that so that we can respond to the needs and the wishes and the circumstances of our members. That I found was particularly impressive. Yeah, one size doesn't fit all, absolutely. Every single area is going to have different needs and different wants. And, you know, for example, Cardonald Larder sell a lot of dog foods. I don't sell so much of that where I'm running just now. It, everywhere's different. And, you, you you know, you cannot open up a ladder and expect to hit the ground running. You just won't. You'll open up with your basics. 
and that's as good as it's going to get. And then the community will tell you, can you get this? Can you get that? And you build up your variety, you build up your stock and you learn what's, what people want and you learn what people don't want. And yeah, it's, I'd say it probably takes between six and nine months before a ladder is fully sort of like what the community is like, oh, right, I go there for that. But then it can change any minute. It can change all the time. I mean, one of the best examples is um, when Kenny's Head opened, we sold a lot of tinned pies, tinned meals, uh, just a lot of tinned things. Uh, and as time has moved on, they're selling less and less of that kind of product because Suzanne, the, Suzanne runs the Kenny's Head Ladder, has been buying in more fresh products, more fresh mints, uh, lots of good fresh stock, lots of fresh fruit and veg, lots of really wholesome unprocessed food. And that's what's selling more there now. And that's the sort of thing that just blows my mind and pleases me greatly because um, that's what we want. You know, to be cooking food fresh with fresh products is like, you know, that's, that's, that's the goal, you know, and that's what's happening. That's what we're seeing happening. So, yeah, not one one size definitely doesn't fit all. Every single uh, project is going to have different. You know, we we laugh and joke about things like oh, I can't shift there. Oh, give me them. You know, and that we swap between the projects as well. But yeah, you're right, Andrew. One size doesn't fit all. The variety changes. It varies from ladder to ladder, and it takes a while before you learn what the community want or needs. Yeah, And of course, to aid the preparation and cooking of nutritious meals from scratch using those really high quality ingredients that the larders stock, I know that you and the team are able to administer some fuel vouchers for people who might otherwise struggle to afford their gas and electricity, another of life's essentials. So uh, another important bit of wraparound support that I know you guys have been offering to people. Yeah, and I suppose sure. reflecting on the, the offer and the services that you've described throughout our conversation, pooling of affordable good quality food on people's doorsteps with these services attached to it it's no surprise really that even in that first tranche of larders now our membership figures are hovering around the thousand mark a thousand households containing many thousands of adults and children but i suppose on the let's call it the negative side of the ledger. We know there's an immense amount of downward pressure on household budgets. And so people are, of course, going to deploy and use every coping strategy they can. And it's our privilege, of course, to offer them one such coping strategy through the larders. But I wonder if I could perhaps move us on to what impact, if any, you've picked up to date of the larder programme on the one hand, on the need for food banks in the first place, so you get the sense that we're at least easing some of the pressure on food banks because people can come and sign up for larder membership. And on the other hand, do you get the sense that we are beginning to offer a stepping stone away from food bank use and back towards independence for people who have fallen upon particularly hard times? I would say it's 50-50. 50% have said they've used food banks and 50% have told us they've never accessed anything like us at all, never accessed any kind of affordable food space. And it, we are making a massive difference. And there's a lot of people that just come because their pal told them or their mammy brought them in. There's a lot of mammies bringing their kids in. Uh, but I do think we are definitely making a dent 
and the amount of people that used to go to food banks that are now coming to the ladders because um, well, the food banks do terrific work and ne very, very necessary work. And we actually work really closely um, with the Trustful Trust up here. We work really closely with them. They're a great bunch and, you know, really, really helpful to us. And, but there's a lot of people that don't use the food banks anymore because they, they just prefer the experience of coming to the ladder and choosing what they need. You know, we've got that choice <clears throat> and dignity when you come into the ladders. It really is just like a wee shop. <laughs> but the point system is the only thing that makes it different. It's very, very simple to explain. It's very straightforward. But I do think we are definitely making a dent in people that used to use food banks that are now coming to us. And those people which I think is an even bigger deal that I've never used anything for very many reasons. People will say, I would, you know, you, you will get people that say, I'm too embarrassed to go to a food bank or I didn't want to go and ask for a referral or you want to get me in a food bank, you know, these kind of people. For whatever reason, you get different people that just would never access a food bank for whatever reason and they're coming to us and they're the ones that I believe the ladders and, you know, affordable food spaces are absolutely set up for and they are coming through the doors which is terrific i mean don't get me wrong if it was a hundred percent of people coming to us that used to go to food banks and now coming to us i'd be so chuffed i'd be so delighted that'd be amazing but it really really matters that we are reaching that demographic of the population that have never used anything but are coming to us because they know they're getting really good quality value goods at a cheaper cost along with all their apparent services and the sense of community, I've got to say, the sense of community these ladder projects are bringing back to the areas they're in has been quite remarkable. It's, you know, about so much more than food. It truly, truly is. We all need to eat, but um, we all need to, to, to be heard and we all need that wee bit extra support as well. And I really am so proud to say that the, the ladders are doing exactly that. And also, if there is something that we don't know, we will find somebody that can help you with it. You know, if we don't know, let's try and see what we can we can help you with. But with regards to the numbers that we're using food banks, Andrew, I do think um we're we're making a good dent in it. Yeah. And that revived sense of community has been palpable both within and surrounding each of the larders. So I couldn't agree more strongly with that point, Pauline. And just touching on your analysis there of the difference the larders make in respect of the food bank numbers, I've observed quite an important role there for that little reserve fund being built up at the Larders through a pay it forward scheme. So that if there is an existing member who's maybe been with us for a while, has been able to pay their full membership fees and redeem all the points they needed in most weeks, but then crisis hits, one of life's emergencies knocks them for six. We do have that reserve fund that can tide them over without their losing their membership and without them having to go to a food bank instead. That's been critical, I think, in uh -huh. the first few weeks it's been piloted. <laughs> Well, Pauline, thank you so much for that really fascinating insight into the, the work of Good Food Scotland to date. If anyone listening wants to find out more, there are social media pages for Good Food Scotland as a broad programme.
program, as well as each of the individual projects, the Three Hills Community Supermarket, Kennis Head Larder, Cadonald Larder, and the Linthouse Larder, as well as two more larders that are about to come online, the Tory Glen Larder and Sandy Hills Larder, with several more to follow after that. So again, Pauline, thank you for being so generous with your insights and contribution, and thank you all very much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.